Can we put our hands together this morning for a good Jesus? Come on. If you love the Lord, somebody just make some noise for about 10 seconds right here. Come on. Come on. If God has ever done anything for you and he's worth all of the glory, come on and lift up Jesus in this room. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. I feel this in my spirit. Is anybody thankful today? That's how I feel. I feel so thankful, and I also feel like telling you Happy Easter. And I know what some of you are thinking, well, Easter was last Sunday, Pastor JC, not this Sunday. And I would correct you by telling you that Easter is not an event. Easter is an experience. Come on, somebody. So the same power that raised Jesus from the grave on Easter is the same power that lives inside of you and me today. Come on, that's a great place to say amen right there, yeah. Hey, let me take a moment, look at the cameras in the back of the room, say a great big hello to our extended family in Germantown, Maryland. So if you're new here, we are actually one church in two locations. So we've got our church family in the South Metro Atlanta area and then 700 miles north of here, just outside of our nation's capital. Uh, we've got Go Church family. We love all of you. We're, we're so thankful for all of you. We love what God is doing there, led by our campus pastor, David Waldrop. Come on, church family, can we welcome Go Church? Come on, let them hear you all the way from the south. And Go Church, make some noise back. I love it. And then all of you watching online, we're glad that you're connected to us via the live stream or Facebook or however you're watching. We always enjoy going through uh, the comment section and see where you're watching from. So let us know what city, what state, what country, what vacation spot you're at. Come on now. We love to see that. And we bless all of you. And then one thing we always do, and I love this so much, we give honor and uh, just thanks to the incredibly brave military men and women. Come on. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you to the families. Come on. Wholeheartedly right here. Can we bless them? Thank you for serving, and, and I, I often pray Psalm 91 over our military and first responders. Psalm 91 is a prayer of protection, and, and so we just pray that over each and every one of you, and, and we thank you. I want to give you a quick update uh, from our Easter weekend because it really was historic between both of our campuses. I'm going to show you a few different numbers, and the reason that I want you to see numbers is because every number represents a story. Every number represents a soul. And it's important to highlight that and celebrate that. And so all Easter weekend, last weekend between the two campuses, we had an attendance uh, record of 2,748 people. Come on, isn't that awesome? Come on, I think that's a great place just to thank Jesus. You're a part of a life-giving church. And I had a blast preaching to all of your family and to all of your friends and to your neighbors and coworkers. So maybe I gave you something to talk about around the water cooler throughout the week. For those of you that invited your coworkers, it was a great weekend. And we saw a capacity seating at both of our campuses. And I just love what God is doing. I, I love the excitement of our church. It's not just relegated to one time a year. But every Sunday, you get to experience the love of Jesus. And that's why we exist. Now, this number is incredible, but the number that really really matters to us is how many people responded to the message. And on Easter Sunday, I gave, I gave you a survey card. We do it every year, and we're looking at all of that data that we collected. But on the one side of the card, I asked you to check a box, either box A, B, C, or D. And I told you before you check a box, you already are a box. 
If you check the box A, that meant that you're already in a relationship with Jesus. If you check box B, that meant that you were beginning a relationship with Jesus. If you checked box C, you're saying, hey, I'm going to consider it a little bit more. And then the box that was marked D said that I, I don't think I'll ever make that decision to follow Jesus. And I want you to see this because we had 2,748 people in attendance. 10% of that said yes to Jesus. Come on now. If you've ever celebrated, this is the best place to celebrate. Come on now. All of heaven is rejoicing. 273 people accepted Jesus Christ. That was from our adult worship all the way to kids ministry. And I think that this is, this is worth noting too. Out of the 273, uh, 70 of those were children. Come on, isn't that great? 70 kids said yes to the Lord. So... One of the things that we do is we do first Wednesday, the first Wednesday of every month. That's coming up this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. We kick off here at South Metro, and then the doors open at 7 at our Go Church campus. Uh, but this Wednesday night, we're going to do water baptism uh, because how many of you know that the next step in the life of believers is to go public in that faith? So of all those people that said yes, we've made phone calls. Uh, we've told them about their next step. And maybe you're here today or you're at Go Church and you're thinking, well, I marked B and nobody, nobody called me. The only reason we didn't call you is because we couldn't read your handwriting. Come on now. But we tried to call everybody to say, hey, you've said yes to the Lord. Now we got to go public. So I'm inviting all of you and all of our Go Church family, come out this Wednesday night for First Wednesday. Let's celebrate all of those that are going public with that. And I think it's wonderful. Did you enjoy Easter weekend? Come on. I loved it. Thanks for being a part of that. And, and don't you love today? I love today because the Bible says that this is the day the Lord has made. And so we get to be glad and rejoice in it. Any glad people in the room? Come on, if you're just glad to be alive. Look at somebody and say, are you glad to be here? Come on, tell them, are you glad to be here? I am, and I'm glad that you are too. We're kicking off a brand new series. We're calling it I Quit. Uh, and I told you last Sunday, this is not a, 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 com a collection of conversations around my resignation. You can't get rid of me that easy. Uh, we're going we're to look at four things specifically. I'm going to work backwards in, uh, in the introduction of this series in terms of where we're going over the, like the, the overall scope so that we can end up with the conversation for today. So if you project four weeks out, you're going to end up on May the 19th. On that Sunday, we're highlighting our missions efforts at our churches, at our campuses, what we're doing locally, nationally, and internationally. And on that day, I'm bringing a message called, I Quit Making Excuses. I think it's the perfect day as we talk about serving and going and doing that we lay down the excuse making and we say yes to what God is calling us to do. The week before that is May the 12th. That is Mother's Day weekend. And so uh, two words for you fellas. Come on, Amazon Prime. Come on now. So you got Mother's Day weekend. And on that day, we're talking about the need to quit comparing, to quit comparing and I'm going to unpack some truths with that. It's a special day, a really special day. And I'm really excited for you to celebrate all of your moms on that day. We've got a great, a great day planned at both of our campuses next Sunday. And really next Sunday is where the whole series came from. Because a couple months ago, the Lord dropped in my heart this word. And then talking with our team and our campus pastors, I really feel like God wants us to know that he gave his only begotten son so that not only we could have everlasting life, but so that the life we live could be a life of freedom. God wants you to be free from addiction and bondage and stronghold. And I'm not, some of this isn't a matter of salvation. We got a lot of people that are saved and they're on their way to heaven, but they're bound by the addiction of the world. And the Bible says whom the son set free is free indeed. And I'm just believing that some of you, you've been living under generational curses, but in the power of Jesus, come on, those generational curses are going to be broken. So I can't, if you like preaching, I'm going to preach next Sunday. I'm even thinking about bringing out a little organ right behind me. Seems like play the organ while I'm preaching. We'll see how that goes. But today we're going to talk about the need to quit complaining. And this is, going to be, this is going to be a challenge for all of us, and I hope that the Lord would present it in a way uh, through what he's dropped in my spirit that you'd be able to receive it, receive it well. So let's do this. Both campuses, by a show of hands, come on, we're going to participate a little. How many of you know somebody, again, you're raising your hand, you know somebody that complains a whole lot? Come on, put your hand, wow, some of you, you weren't hesitant at all. You're like, yep, I know somebody. How many of you, by a show of hands, you're sitting next to that, do not raise your hand. 
<laughs> Some of you couldn't wait to answer that one. All right, let, let's take it up. Let's, let's peel another layer off that onion. Let's be honest, all right? How many of you would admit, and you are going to raise your hand here, you would say, you know what? I tend to be that person. I know, wow, that's a lot to a lot of people. <laughs> it kind of took me by surprise. Yeah, I am that person and I complain quite a bit. If you're unsure if you're that person or not, I can help you with that. Just a little self-examination here. If you've already complained about why is he having us raise our hands, you are the complainer. <laughs> if you found some fault already in today's worship gathering, you are a complainer. I think, I think we, all, we all know people, and if we're not careful, we all fall into that trap of complaining. And the truth is, and come on, let's be honest, some people are just really good at it. It's like their greatest gift is just to be negative. You know people like that. Like, no matter what happens in your life, you get around these people, and they just, they, they just kind of suck all of the energy out of the room. They, they suck all of the positivity out of the room and they, they breathe their bad breath of complaining. Come on, somebody. It's just like halitosis of complaining all up in there, right? Everything is negative and critical. Come on. You know the person that it can be the most beautiful day outside. They're like, well, it's a little humid. <laughs> I know, but man, come on. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. Yeah, but it's forecasted rain tomorrow. Well, enjoy today. Come on. Like, enjoy right now. You know these people. Why is the music around here so loud? They got these lights that move. Some kind of concert. <laughs> you know, you know this one too. Come on, and I'm guilty of this one. Uh, we complain about our favorite sports team. You know, man, you know, you, you know this is you because a lot of times your, your sports team doesn't do well. So you could finish a sentence. You say, well, there's always next year you know even me and I don't I, I, it's a long story to tell you but I'm, I'm a huge NFL fan uh, because I fell in love as an eight-year-old with Barry Sanders I'm a Detroit Lions fan and so I was committed to watching the draft over this weekend and even the Lions can't draft right you know like I'm so frustrated I'm like man even the Lions can't you can't even get the best player on the board you had you had to pick the worst player in the early round like this ain't how that works and we complain about our sports team you know matter of fact Kimberly told me a couple weeks ago Ago, she came home she had picked up the kids from school and she took them to chick-fil-a and she came home and I could tell that she was really troubled and I said what's going on she was like she said man like there there was a scene at chick-fil-a and I was like well what happened and she said well I was in one line at checking out and then the, the guy was here and he was just letting the chick-fil-a associate have it I mean he was yelling at this poor innocent angel of God you know if you work at chick-fil-a you're an angel come on somebody and she said he was yelling at this angel and, and the manager tried to come and just calm things down and, and the guy got more loud and more irate and all because his order wasn't perfect. And I told her, I said, if you're complaining about Chick-fil-A, you got real deep issues. Come on now. Because Chick-fil-A is like God's gift to the fast food industry. Come on. If I'm ever in a bad mood, I just go to Chick-fil-A because they make me feel good about myself. I'm like, can I get fries? Yes, you can. Thank you. My pleasure. No, my pleasure. It's my pleasure to spend my money here. And they're thinking, it's my pleasure to take it. You know, if you're complaining about that, as a matter of fact, uh, me and Lakeland, we, we've got he's, got, he's got a little iPod that he plays a video game. It's, it's a little baseball game. And so we play against each other. And the other day he was, he was complaining because his internet was slow. He's nine. He's <laughs> like, Dad, my internet's slow. And I was like, and I was like, you know, like a grandpa. I was like, come here, you young whippersnapper. Let me tell you about a time of AOL. Anybody remember? Anybody remember AOL? Where literally when you tried to log online, it sounded like your computer was giving birth to an alien child. Anybody remember those days? You could, you could, you could log on to the internet, walk away, make a rotisserie chicken. Come on, somebody. Come back, and you still weren't online. Talk about slow Wi-Fi, bro. I'm thinking, what in the world? And I tried to get my mind and heart wrapped around this topic. So, you know, I, I went on my social media. I went on Facebook and I said, okay, here's what I want to do. I want you to tell me, social media friends, what, what do you complain about the most? 
And there were a, a couple hundred responses, and I, I tried to walk through all of them, and some of them, there was a recurring theme, and then some of them just kind of, they, they struck a chord with, with my humorous side. And so let me kind of give you a few things that people talked about. Here's what they said, and this would probably, these first two would be the top two things. They said, hey, one of the things I complain about the most is, is money, money. And not because I got too much. Come on now. If you're complaining about having too much money, I am free for lunch. Anybody free for lunch? Yeah. It's like, hey, no, it's about, hey, I don't have enough money or there's, there's more month than there is money. And so we complain about that. The second most common one was I'm so busy. And because I'm so busy, I'm, I'm always tired. This was a big one. People complain about the traffic. Anybody? Bad drivers. You know, Kimberly reminds me all the time because when we lived in Maryland, in order to survive, and if you're from the Northeast, you know this, especially if you lived in the, the Metro DC area, that you had to be an aggressive driver in order to survive. That's it. And I tell Kim, I'm like, God gave us a horn for a reason. You know, and she's like, hey, but you could be blowing the horn at somebody that attends the church you pastor. And I said, well, there's an altar open for them. Come on now. I mean, let's just get this right. Like, let's figure out this bad driving thing. Come on. Anybody with me? The right lane is for the slow people. The left lane, that's for me. As for me and my house, we're going to ride in the left lane. Come on now. And so people complain about that. Uh, I saw a lot of moms complain about the recurring, never-ending list of chores uh, the laundry pile that never seems to disappear, it only grows. The dishes that continue to just be piled in, you know, for, for days and weeks and, and months until living things are inside of that. I saw a lot of people complain about government, the president, and, and not just this one, all of them. I mean, every, every president, you know, which by the way, isn't it good to know that our hope and confidence isn't in a political party, but it's in the person of Jesus? Come on now. I got to hurry. I, I love this one. Somebody said, I complain about people who complain. It's the complainers that get on my nerves. How many of you can say, yeah, that's me too. Yeah, I feel that way. Somebody said, you know, I complain a lot about body aches and pains. Uh, this one felt a little personal and I don't, I don't want to say the name, but you can just read my comment section. They said, I complain about men who don't work. She's married. <laughs> One person, and I, la I literally laughed out loud. They said, I, I just complain about being fat. Like, I'm going to put it out there. I'm fat and sassy. I'm just going to complain about it. Now, I'm not going to stop eating you know, the unhealthy food, but I'm just going to let you know I want to be in shape, you know? So, and I thought that was so humorous. And, and the truth is, if not careful, we all, we all get lured into viewing the things we perceive as negative and let them outweigh what is the reality of the positives. God has been really good to us. And if, and if there's any one group of people who are infamously known for their complaining, it has to be the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Many of you, if you grew up in church, you know the story. Some of you, it might be the first time you hear this story. And it is, it is an interesting one. Let me, let me tell you about the children of Israel. So, so they, they were slaves in Egypt, like literal slaves, shackles, chains, whips, instruction. You're a slave to the evil ruler of Egypt known as, as Pharaoh. Well, the children of Israel, they had one common prayer. And the prayer was this, God, get us out. How, how many of you know that if you were in bondage or slavery, you would ask God to get you out of it? Okay. Well, then I want you to come next Sunday because that's what he's going to do. Okay, so they said, God, get us out, get us out of here. And so, so God does just that. He raises up a leader. Many of you know that the leader is, is Moses and God raises up Moses, which is a unique story in itself because Moses probably wasn't the most qualified leader of leaders. But how many of you know that God doesn't call the qualified? He qualifies the called. God, that's good right there. God raises up Moses and, and then God sends 10 different plagues uh, to Egypt. And throughout the 10 plagues, it begins to change the heart of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the people go. And so get this, lean in for a second. So after a few hundred years of bondage, after a few hundred years of slavery, the shackles come off, the chains 
are loosed and the city gates are open. And now the children of Israel, they get to walk free. Well, as they're leaving Egypt, Pharaoh changes his mind. And he says, you know what, I, I don't like this agreement that, that we have. And so he told his army, he said, go chase them down and, and kill them all. And so eventually they're surrounded, the children of Israel. In front of them, they're surrounded by sea. And behind them, they're surrounded by mountains and the encroaching army. And so what does God do? God splits the sea so they can walk right through it. So he opens up the Red Sea and they start walking on dry ground. How many of you know that's a miracle? And so they're walking and as they look, the army is coming after them. The, the enemy is coming after them. And when they get to the middle of the dry ground, guess what God does? He closes the sea. Come on, isn't that a good place to say amen right there? Come on, somebody give Jesus praise. <clears throat> so now they're free. And the Bible says that God miraculously provides food for them. So every day there is, is water from a rock and there's manna from heaven. Water from a rock and manna from heaven. So every day they drank Mountain Dew and ate cornflakes. Come on now. <laughs> he provided meals for them. As a matter of fact, he put a cloud in the sky by day so they knew where to go. And he led them by a pillar of fire at night. He gave them the first ever GPS system. Their, their clothes never wore out, and they're headed to the promised land. And guess what they consistently do over and over and over again? They complain. It's almost mind-blowing. Check this out. If you've got your Bible, I want you to flip here. Exodus chapter 16. I want you to see this because this is, this is incredibly hard to comprehend. I'm going to show you a few verses. Exodus 16, verses 2 through 3. <coughs> The Bible says this, in the desert, the whole community, so all of the children of Israel, they complained. Both campuses counted three. Let's say this highlighted word together, one, two, three, complain. So they complained against the leaders. And the Israelites said to this, now, now they're grumbling and they're complaining, and they said, and, and this is where it becomes really hard to comprehend, they said, if only we had died by the Lord's hand back in Egypt, you're free. And you want to go back to bondage? You want to go back to slavery? And then they said this. They said, hey, if we would have died there, because, because there we sat around pots of meat. Now, I highlighted this because, again, when I read the Bible, sometimes there's a, a humorous side with how I interpret things. And I thought, pots of meat, that sounds like a bunch of rednecks to me, doesn't it? I don't know why. But like, what's for dinner? A pot of meat. Get you a pot of meat. That's it. Sit down. Do you know what a pot of meat is? It's spam. Come on, somebody. How many of you know what spam is? Yeah, it's like, hey, they're, they're like, hey, when we were in bondage, we ate spam, and it was good. Spam is never good. Some of you are like, yes, it is. You need a life upgraded is what we need. Pots of meat, and we ate all the food that we wanted, but, but you brought us out into this desert to starve the whole assembly is going to starve to death. And then I, I want you to know this, and this is such a challenge here. But if you read on in the story, you continue to see that they grumbled, they complained, they argued, they murmured. As a matter of fact, and I'd, I'd encourage you to read it, it says, they said, we're going to die in this desert. Why couldn't we have died back there in Egypt? They said they're going to kidnap our kids. They're going to take our wives. That they're going to, this is going to be the worst thing that has ever happened to us. And I don't understand it. God, God, why, <clears throat> why would you do this? God, why, why would you lead us here? And I want to unpack this because there's some things that the children of Israel teach us that if we're not careful, we'll end up with the same result they ended up with. And Craig Groeschel calls it the cost of complaining. There is a cost to every complaint that you and I have. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, say, there is a cost to your complaint. Come on, tell them. <laughs> There's this cost. And the first one is this, write it down. Complaining hurts the heart of God. Truthfully, when we complain, it offends the heart of God. Now, know something about what I just said. God does not hate complainers, 
but God sure hates it when we complain. And one of Israel's greatest sins while they were in the desert, while they're in the wilderness, was that of complaining. So when they left Egypt and they're en route to the promised land, it should have taken them no longer than 11 days. But that 11-day journey, because they grumbled and argued and complained, turned, in, turned into a 40-year trip because it offended the heart of God. All right, let me paint it to you like this. At both campuses, how many of you are parents, you have children, whether they're little, teenagers, grown, you got kids. Okay, so let, let's talk about children for a moment because Kimberly and I, we have two kids and, and we love both of our children. But as parents, we work really hard to provide for our kids, don't we? Come on, parents, help me out. Preach back to me for a little bit, especially if your son or daughter is sitting near you. Be like, yes, we do. Okay, so we work really hard to provide for our children, but wouldn't it be something that every time we provided for our children that their immediate response was a complaint? So, <clears throat> excuse me, so we make dinner, but I don't like this. Okay, hold on. See, I grew up in the old school where we unbuttoned our coat for a moment. In my, in my house growing up, we ate what was in front of us. And we didn't leave till it was done. Now we live in a world where there's options. And I don't know how we invited children into the deciding factor of where we're going to eat and what we're going to eat. Because I tell my kids, you get to pick when you start to pay. Come on now. <laughs> so Kimberly went out of town this weekend. And uh, so I had Lakeland in London. And all weekend, you know what we ate? Pots of meat. Come on, somebody. I'm just kidding. I said, hey, what do you guys want to eat? And my little girl, she just turned four. She says, Longhorn. Longhorn. What you talking about Longhorn? Zaxby's. Chick-fil-A, Longhorn. And then Lakeland, my nine-year-old, is like, no, 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 not Longhorn. And I'm thinking, finally, the rational one. He's like, Red Lobster. Red Lobster. Man, I'll take you down to the lake and let you fish for something. Red Lobster. How much money do you think we got in this family? As a matter of fact, I'm calling a fast. Nobody's eating today. <laughs> Except me, because I was hungry. But anyway, can you imagine, like, no matter what, you, you provide a meal, it's not good enough. Or you buy them clothes, well, I don't want those clothes. Or you get them shoes, well, I didn't like those shoes. Well, we're doing the best that we can. Can't you just be grateful for what you've got? And could you imagine if every time that you blessed your children with either a necessity or even a want, they said, well, well, so-and-so's family. Well, this ain't so-and-so's family. Now, you can go live with so-and-so's family. Anybody with me? Now, eventually, the continual griping and complaining of your child would lead you to this moment where in your heart you met Jesus and Jesus, through his power, allowed you to say to your child, you are a spoiled brat. Come on now. Can't you just appreciate the fact that I am your personal Uber driver, taking you to and fro? Don't you realize that I am a walking, talking ATM for all of your extracurricular activities? When's the last time you said thank you? Come on, parents, you ought to help me out because I'm preaching. When's the last time you just paused and said, you know what? You do a whole lot for me and the family, and I just want to say thank you. If my children came to me and said, oh, Father, you are thine greatest father, of all mankind, I would say, what, you want Red Lobster? Get you Red Lobster. But until then, it's a pot of meat for you and the little one. Come on, somebody. Now, I know that's a little funny, but maybe that's how God feels when you and I complain. He says, come on, look around. At all, at all that I've done for you, says the Lord, of all the blessings that you have. I mean, let's just be honest for a moment, just for a minute here. Today, the fact that you're sitting in a church clothed in your right mind and you didn't need the assistance of somebody to help you get dressed or to feed you or to bathe you. Come on, you are a blessed people and you want to gripe and you want to complain that the fast food restaurant didn't make your chicken in three minutes? Really? 
Or that your church didn't sing the, your favorite song? Well, you, we'd be here all day if we sang everybody's favorite song. And then guess what? You complain we were here too long. <laughs> When's the last time we just paused and we said, you know what? God, thanks. You've been really good. You've been faithful. Watch what happens here. Because complaining hurts the heart of God. Now the people, they complained. They complained about their hardships. Come on, every single one of us, we've been guilty of that. I can't tell you how many days, more days than I'd like to admit where I couldn't wait for somebody to say, how's your day going? Just so I could tell them about all my hardships, all my, all my troubles. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Remember when Pastor Allen used to sing that? Yeah. But you're going to tell them, aren't you? And so they complained about all their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. And watch this. Then fire from the Lord burned among them, and it consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. So you, you need to know this. If you ever come home and the outskirts of your yard is burned up, you've been complaining way too much and way too long. Their complaining made God so angry, and it offended him so much, and his heart was so hurt that it aroused his frustration at the ungratefulness of his children. The second thing you need to know about the cost of complaining is this, is that complaining will always produce a consequence. So your complaining is going to cost you something. It's going to hurt the heart of God, but there's always going to be a consequence for every complaint that you have. So every time you go to the complaint department, there is going to be a consequence that follows. And there are two primary consequences. There's the practical consequence, and then there's the spiritual consequence, and I want to show you both. So the practical side of the, 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 the consequence would be this. If you want to push people away from you, just complain a lot. Okay, because in my lifetime, what I've learned is the only people that like to be around complainers are complainers. Everybody else doesn't want anything to do with that. So if you want to push people away, if you want to have, well, I don't have any friends. Well, of course not, because you're always Debbie Downer. I, I don't have time. Listen to me, and I don't, I don't mean this in, in, in an arrogant way, but God's got a great plan for my life, and each day is a gift from God. I don't want to hang around you and all the woe is me, pitiful is me, let's throw me a pity party. Listen to me. The earth does not rotate on its axis for you to tell us how bad your life is. When I look and survey the goodness of God, I can recognize I may not have everything I want, but I've got everything that I need. God is good to me. And so I don't want to be around people that are always complaining and negative and all of that. So you're going to push people away. Let me break it down practically. For some of you single ladies, this is why you don't have a boyfriend. Be because... Because every time you get a boyfriend, all you do is complain about how bad the last one was. And so the new boyfriend says, I don't want to be anywhere around somebody that complains about everybody else. Come on. It's the same reason that some of you, you can't keep your job. Because, because what if instead of complaining about the job that you had, you said, God, I thank you for income. I just thank you for it. Now, I don't, I don't know how good or bad your job is, but what I do know is that if you worked under our leadership and you constantly complained about the job, I would help you find a new one. Anybody with me? So there's this practical side of the cost of complaining. As a matter of fact, Stanford University did a study, and they discovered that 30 minutes of complaining every single day caused physical brain damage to a human's brain. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why some of you are so messed up. <laughs> because we complain all the time. Turn to somebody and say, you got brain damage. To tell them. So if 30 minutes of complaining brought on brain damage, what would 30 minutes of praising do? Come on, somebody. 30 minutes of Thanksgiving. I'm going to show you. We're going to get there in just a minute. Now, the spiritual consequence is this. Stick with the children of Israel because they're teaching us uh, the toxic uh, reality of complaining. God says, how long will this wicked community, God forbid that we're ever lumped into that group, 
a wicked community. How long will they grumble against me? See, God recognized you might be complaining to the leader, but the argument or the dis disagreement is with me, God, the Lord. He says, I have heard the what? The complaints of who? These grumbling Israelites. And watch what he says. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing you've been complaining about. Ouch. Ouch. In the wilderness, he says, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has what? Complained against me. He says this in verse 30. He says, not one of you is going to enter into that promised land that I swore with my uplifted hand to make your home except for Caleb and for Joshua. And he says, talking about, you guys complained about your children and the what ifs of your children. He says, here it is. As for your kids that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them into enjoy the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in the wilderness. Let me, let me show you what the Lord dropped in my spirit when I read these few verses, and I want you to write this down. You can never complain your way into God's blessing, but you can certainly complain your way out. You, you will never be able to complain your way into the blessings of God, but if you continue to complain, you might be able to remove the favor of God from your life. And if you aren't careful, and if you and I, we can't control our complaining tongue, then the very thing that you always wanted, you may never get. The very thing that you always desired, the very thing that you always hoped for, the very thing that you always longed for because of your inability to thank God for what he's blessed you with, it will arouse his anger and he may say, you know what, I'll give you the very thing that you keep griping to me about. That's, that's powerful, isn't it? Because so, here, here's what I mean. Besides Caleb and Joshua, nobody else from that generation was ever going to, to see the promised land. And God said this. He said, you don't get what you want because I'm not going to put up with your complaining any longer. And he said, you've complained so much that I'm not going to bless you with what I wanted to bless you with. And I'm not going to give you what you wanted most of all. Why? Listen to me. Don't miss this. Because there is always a cost and there's always a consequence to your complaining. Do you see that? And if you want, listen to me, you won't have to look very far to make a list of things to be frustrated at. You can pick your job apart. You can pick your boss apart. You can pick your spouse apart. You can pick your church apart. You can pick your pastor apart. What, whatever the topic or the subject or the category is, you don't have to work very hard to find out frailties and weaknesses and issues and wrongs. And you make your list and you can complain, complain, complain. If you want to be bitter, you can be bitter. If you want to be angry, you can be angry. If you want to be negative, you can be negative. You don't have to look far to, to find things to be bitter, angry, and negative over. But not me. That's not the life that I want to live. I don't know how many years God is going to grace me on this earth, but I'd much rather have a positive outlook in life than a negative outlook in life. Come on, somebody. And the other thing that I've learned is this, and write it down because I don't want you to miss it. And this, this is the caution. This is the warning. Are you ready? Don't complain against the one who blesses you. I, I would be very careful to complain against the very one who blesses you. Uh, an old saying says it this way, don't, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Now, ultimately, we're talking about God. Because the Bible says that God is the one that gives us good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. But, but I would also caution you not to complain against your boss because he is the one that signs your paycheck. I would be very guarded not to complain against your spouse because she is the one that makes you that pot of meat. And when she does the dishes, there's an empty pot and you're going to sleep at night. Come on now. I would just caution you, don't complain against the one who blesses you. So it leads me to this, and we got five more minutes, and I'll, I'll take 10. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? Write it down. Two thoughts. Number one is this. 
Quit complaining. You need to know something because this is so profound. I spent four years and north of $50,000 to obtain a Bachelor of Science in pastoral ministry with a minor in Bible theology to give you something so elementary. It's incredible. How this brain works, it's mind-blowing. To tell you on this Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, just stop. You, you've got to quit the complaining because complaining never brings out the desired result. <laughs> Your complaining doesn't add anything but fire to the issue. As a matter of fact, Paul says it this way in the book of, of Philippians, which, by the way, uh, at the beginning of the summer, we're going to study the entire book of Philippians together, and I'm really excited for that. Here's just a snippet of one of the chapters, chapter 2. Paul says, do. Let's try it together. Both campuses on the count of three. One, two, three, everything. Say it again, that one word. One, two, three. Not some things. Not a few things. Not the things that you want to do, but do everything. Do every, everything. Do it all. And then he says this, do everything without complaining. Do all of that with no arguing. Now let me pause right here because some of you, you maybe might just be like checking out this, this Jesus thing, this church thing. And so you'd say, you know, I don't even believe in Jesus. I just came to church and trying to figure all of this out. If you, even if you're an unbeliever, if you put this truth into practice, your life would be better immediately. Uh, overnight, if you just said, you know what? Everything I do, I'm going to do it without complaining and without arguing. That's powerful. Some of you aren't writing it down, and I want you to write it down. Teenagers, that means when you're asked to do the chores. I, I would much rather take the trash out as a teenager than have to pay rent. Let's do it without complaining. So when you get up to go to the job tomorrow that you don't love, what if you just say, God, again, I thank, I thank you for a job. Because there's a lot of people that are un, on unemployment today that would be happy to take your position. What if we, just everything. What if when you go to lunch today and the waiter isn't the best waiter that you think they ought to be and you know how to wait tables better. So instead of arguing and complaining, say, you know what? I'm going to give them an extra tip today, an extra blessing, because I can see that they've had four, five, six tables set all at one time instead of griping and complaining about it. It's going to be okay if you got to wait two or three more minutes to get a refill on your sweet tea. Ain't nobody ever died in the middle of waiting from one glass of sweet tea to the other. Maybe, but I don't know. Only in the South. Do everything. Everything. Why? I love this. He says, so that you might become pure and blameless. Isn't that beautiful? He says, I want you to be pure and blameless, children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom appear as lights in the world. Let me, let me break it to you down like this. He says, here it is. I want you to stop your complaining. Do everything without complaint. Do everything without arguing. Because if you do that, you're more like Jesus. You're more like Christ. If anybody had a reason to complain, it would be Jesus on his way to the cross at Calvary. But he said, okay, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You want to be like Jesus Then everything you do, everything you do, you've got to do it without complaining, without arguing. Let me give you a challenge. You ready? Lean in. Tomorrow, Monday, April 29th, or whenever you watch this playback or live stream, watch this. Can you go one day, tomorrow, one day, one, 24 hours with no complaining and no arguing. Some of you are like, well, can't you pick Tuesday? Because Mondays are hard. No, we're picking Monday. Stop complaining about what day I'm picking. We've picked Monday. Tomorrow. Yeah, but I've got a, I've got a tough meeting. It's not going to be as tough as you think it is when you walk in like Jesus. Let me see. Both campuses, you ready? How many of you say, all right. I'm in. Tomorrow, no complaining. Let me see your hand. All right, keep them up for a minute. Write them down. Write them down. Somebody write all these names down. Keep them up. 
Tomorrow, lean in. No complaining. None. No arguing. Tomorrow, we get to do this. Beginning today, leading in tomorrow, we get to trade in our complaining. Because I'm not just challenging you to stop and to quit the complaining. I'm telling you that there's a better alternative. That you can take the old you and trade it in for a new you. You can take that old critical spirit and trade it in for something better. So don't just quit, but then trade it in. Well, you're thinking, well, what do I trade it in for? I'm so glad you asked. Paul says it this way in 1 Thessalonians. He says, rejoice always. There it is again. So, so you get to trade in my complaining for rejoicing. Do you see that? I love it. I get to take all of my complaints and trade them in for joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I get to take my complaints and instead of seeing the world through the lens of negativity, I get to see them through the lens of, of what, joy? I heard Joel Osteen, I have to do this fast, tell a story a couple years ago about a lady that at the end of the day, she just had enough and she complained to God about everything that went wrong in her day. She said, God, why did you have to give me such a bad day today? It started off with my alarm clock, didn't go off, and so I was late to work. I get to work and lunchtime rolled around and I went and got me a sandwich and they made it wrong, so I had to take it back. They had to make me another one. Then on the way home from work, I was on a really important phone call and right when that conversation was about to get good, the cell phone service dropped and I couldn't even get back in touch with the person. And then God, to top it all off, I just wanted to relax at home that night and put my feet in the foot massager and the stinking thing wouldn't even turn on. God, why? Was today so bad? And God responds and he says, okay, let me go down that list with you. He says, the alarm clock didn't go off because there was a drunk driver on the road. And had you been on time, you could have been hit. He said, I had to send your sandwich back because the first person that made it was under the weather. And so I had somebody that was feeling better make it because I didn't want you getting sick. And the phone call that dropped in the middle of that conversation, that person was about to fill your heart and your head with gossip, and I didn't want you to be contaminated, so I dropped the phone call. And the foot massager that you wanted to put your feet in, well, it had a short in it, and had it turned on, the power in the whole house would have went off, and I didn't think you wanted to sleep through the night with no heat on in your house. Church, could it be the very thing that is frustrating you and the very thing that you're complaining about is really, really the sovereignty of God at work. Come on now. Could it be that God is behind the scenes protecting you, guiding you, and positioning you? So instead of making a list of complaints to give to God, what if we just chose to rejoice? To say, God, I thank you in the middle of whatever it is that I'm walking through, realizing that God is for you, he's not against you, knowing that all things are working themselves together for your good, believing that even when you can't see it God has a plan for your life and he's working out that plan every single day come on can somebody rejoice this morning come on come on a little better somebody lift your voice to Jesus and rejoice yeah say this I choose to rejoice watch this I love the psalmist David and this is my prayer for you he says you have turned my morning Woo. He says, you've turned my, my complaining spirit. You've turned my anger. You've turned my frustration. You've turned my doubt into joyful dancing. Y'all didn't know I had moves, did you? He says, you turned it into joyful dancing and you have taken away the clothes of mourning. You've removed the clothes of complaining and you have clothed me with joy. If you get anything from today, may you walk out with a new wardrobe, clothed with joy. I got to move. I got to move. He goes on and he says this. He says, all right, not, not only rejoice always, but I want you to pray without ceasing. Watch this. If you and I literally prayed without ceasing, there wouldn't be any available breath to complain. So that means this, that we get to trade our complaining for praying. 
Now go back in your head to all of the things that you complain about. I'll go back to the Facebook list and things in my own life and watch this. If we're going to choose to complain about those things, then there's really no need to pray about them. Do you see that? But if you're going to pray about them, then there's really no need to complain about them. Because praying is trusting. Complaining is distrusting. And if there's any group of people in the entire world that should not be complaining, it's Christians. Because we believe in the power of prayer. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, seek my face, and what? And pray, then God will hear us from heaven. Come on, how many of you believe in the power of prayer? And if you take five minutes and you complain, you've wasted five minutes. But if you take five minutes and pray, it can change your life. It can change your circumstance and it can change your situation. Come on, give Jesus some praise. But he doesn't stop. He says, and in everything, in everything. God, I thank you for the car that doesn't run that well. Because I could be walking today. God, I, I thank you for life, even though I'm not 100% healthy. I thank you that you woke me up. Oh, Jesus, I feel that in my heart. I thank you that I'm alive today because it means you've got a plan and you've got a purpose in everything. Give thanks. It means that you get to trade your complaining in for Thanksgiving in church. Thanksgiving is so much more than just a once a year celebrated holiday. It's a daily decision. And Thanksgiving should be one of the most distinctive marks of a Christian. Because here's the truth, write it down. A complaining tongue reveals an ungrateful heart. And you and I know, and I'm done, watch this. You and I know we're ungrateful. When we choose to complain to God about the one thing he has not done, instead of rejoicing and giving him thanks for the one million things he has, and yet we sit on the one thing, God, why didn't you do this one thing? And God says, what about the other million things that I've done? Here's a synopsis. You ready? This is what you get to trade in your complaining. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then if you've got your Bible, I want you to highlight verse number 19. It says, and do not quench the Spirit. I could do a whole series on this, and maybe one day we will. I don't know, but... I'll break it down in just a short summary to say this. The enemy of rejoicing, the enemy of praying, the enemy of thanksgiving is complaining. And the result is a quenching of the Spirit of God. And when we quench the Spirit, here it is, full circle, you ready? We grieve the heart of our Father and we hinder God's favor on our lives. You get to choose. So every Sunday, I close out with a question that you sit on for a moment, and here it is. How different would my life be if I just said thanks for everything that God has done instead of complaining about what he hasn't?